Listen, there are spoilers ahead for the manga that we read, which includes One Piece, Boku no Hero Academia, Chainsaw Man, Jujutsu Kaisen, and Dr. Stone. Oh, and uh, solo leveling. Right, and solo leveling. But we may talk about others. Who knows what we're going to get into. The point is, there are spoilers ahead. Enter at your own risk. Good day, listener-san. Uh, welcome back to the podcast. This is the Weekly Spate. Uh, I'm Dylan. That's Jake. Hey, guys. How are you doing today, Jake? Pretty good day. Uh, deja vu kind of scenario as we record this on Sundays normally, and the Eagles still stink. Yeah, except um, now we're in the upside-down world where the Browns are good, and, and somehow the Eagles are just even worse than, than, than last week. Um, yeah, but, you know... When the Eagles continually stink, it doesn't make that much of a dent in your day when they lose. Yeah, so, I expect it at yeah, this point. Right, right. right. Um, the NBA news is exciting. D- I, Dylan isn't as much of an NBA fan as I am, but I, I, you know, I grew up not having a care for any sport besides football. But over the last couple of years, I've gotten really into basketball, and it's an exciting time to be a Seventy Sixers fan. As it's continually been, um, but it, it, it's cool now, you know, with all these uh, trades and free agency things going on. So You did say that uh, when the bubble started, this was the year. They had all the pieces, yep. but this year they have all the this pieces. This year they have all the pieces. <laughs> no, it's, it's more like uh, the, the, the competent front office gives you a, a vote of confidence in the team that sort of um, feels good to have. Yeah. So, should we should we get into it? Anything else? Uh the city's going back into lockdown, but people don't want to hear about that. It's not yeah. not that exciting. No, don't don't get your coronavirus news from us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually probably a good disclaimer. We not, don't know. Not a trusted source. Okay, so then, but here we are a trusted source about manga. We are very qualified yeah. to talk about yeah. that. Let us begin now. Big news, uh, listener son. I have finally caught up with Jujutsu Kaisen. I'm going to insert a pipe yeah, clap sound it, for myself. I'm hearing, like, the stock garage band, yeah, exactly. like, kids, kids cheering on. Yay! Um, exactly. So, yeah. It, the, yeah, the day has arrived. After many long moons of, of saying there's spoilers for, oh, and Jujutsu Kaisen. Yeah. In, the, in, the, uh, in our spoiler tag at the beginning, we are actually going to be discussing spoilers for Jujutsu Kaisen. Right. So, should we, should we hop into... Yeah. Jujutsu Kaisen? I, I'm in now. When, when the, it took me a while, but I'm in. The panel where fake uh, Ghetto unzipped his brain and then he had the brain with the mouth, I was like, yeah. Yeah, I guess let's talk a little bit about um, sort of your journey from where you were before in Jujutsu Kaisen to now before we get into specifically this chapter. Yeah, it, so, and we kind of discussed this. It, it it felt very aimless to me when it first started and it and it did something that I really didn't like, which was everybody goes to great lengths to explain what their ability is and, and how it works, which didn't grab me at first, but then slowly as it, as it goes on, there, the first moment that interested me was when Fushiguro uses his partial domain expansion and he gets the crazy eyes. I was like, well, this is kind of cool. Then uh, you have um, the scene where the guy unzips his brain no, before that, it was the, the flashback um, to Fushiguro's dad with Gojo. That was pretty cool. And then when you get the panel of the, the brain unzip, I, that was fully in at that point. And from there, it's only gotten better. Like, it's, it's good now. 
it, it is really good. Um, one thing that I realized, uh, I don't know that I had fully fleshed this thought out until talking with Dylan about it, is that um, it really feels like um, the everything prior to basically the the two most recent arcs gojo's flashback and now the the shibuya station arc um is intro you know it, it feels like this is like sort of a jumping off point for a longer series at least you know from where i'm sitting yeah because now it it feels like we're actually moving into something that resembles a plot you know it's not just kind of this meandering thing uh it does seem like it's a a Gojo story. Like, I thought Itadori was the main character, but I'm actually fine with that because Gojo's the man. So. I mean, they give him a lot of screen time. I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily go so far as saying it's a Gojo story, but he's a highly developed character. Everyone in the story sucks this guy's nub, and the whole plot revolves around he, he's too good. If he's there, then then uh, we win. So Thus far. It, the whole plot externally, but... What what we get as readers, as an audience, we see more into Itadori's side. Still. It's true, and his his shit is growing on me. Uh, I like I like kind of the emotional downturn that he's taken in the last you know couple chapters because he just keeps taking all these L's and he's like I'm I'm fucked, man. Yeah, like, yeah. What am I supposed to do? Yeah. Which is a a nice sort of change of pace for somebody as many sort of shonen protagonists are supposedly just being thrust into this with no train, you know, yeah. he, he's still a new student, which it's cool when those people can get dubs, but he's going up against strong people and he's getting his ass handed to him, yeah. and which is how that is supposed to happen. I, I've been thinking a lot about Naruto because I've been mainlining Jujutsu Kaisen. And, and as we said, the, the parallels are very strong, but you never really got that from Naruto. He just made more shadow clones and b believed in himself and he succeeded. And it, 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 They never really put him up against anybody that I was out of his bracket. Um, maybe you could say pain, but even, even then he kind of worked pain with Sage Mode. So I, I agree. Um, And, you know, in the beginning of... Itadori's career now, we, we have him up against some seriously strong people, mostly Mahito. Mahito, um, yeah, he's he's awesome. Well, and, let's let's get into a little yeah. more, bit more about Mahito when we discuss this chapter, because it's a very Mahito-centric chapter. But um, I, I think in discussing with Dylan, uh, like, where he had been with this to where he got to now, I boiled it down to, to mostly, I, I, I like the story, I really like the characters, but what I'm head over heels with is the way that it's drawn. Yeah. It is a very visually compelling and arresting manga. The action, the uh, the um the weird sort of faces, the body horror, like the the manipulated stuff, the yeah. horror of the curses. Those all two those are big stuff the... combines to me. It's it's a very visually appealing. I've started saving panels cuz there's like been like 50 of them from and it's mostly faces. Everybody, even like even main characters get really scary like Full, full close up, like you know, I'm insane face, which is I like a lot. Now, on the flip side, <laughs> you pointed this out. Sometimes it's pretty hard to follow what's happening. <laughs> yeah, it, it the the powers in this show are very complex, and the the combat is heady. The you know you're supposed to be able to follow the very subtle rules of the engagement as per the powers that they have, 
and then how those rules are being manipulated very subtly in the course of a fight. What he did this, there's not as much of a, like, you know, very explicit narrator saying he did this, he did that. They do take pauses for the characters themselves to say, here are the explicit rules of my power. So, sometimes there is a those... narrator, though. Like, there's just those white text boxes that, like, his ability does this, and he activated it this way, so X thing. That's true, that's true, yeah, not all the time. But, needless to say, it it does get, get confusing sometimes. Yeah. I find myself referencing the wiki to be like, how does that person's power work? Yeah. Uh, we, fi- we, we agreed that, like, the dude who has uh, the Zenin patriarch who has the frame power, we were just like, uh, yeah, sure. Like, you know, I'll see who wins this fight. Yeah. I'll see who lands a punch, but I don't really get how that guy's he, powers work. He can work. turn someone into a frame. I got, that's what I got from that. It, like, <laughs> manipulates his own perspective where frames are, and then he can jump to it. Look, I don't care. <laughs> it, it, it's it's cool. Other people's powers I do care more about, and, you know, it is nicer when you understand those fights on a more granular level, but at a certain point, you have to throw your hands up and just be like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm chugging forward with this. Yeah, it's 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 someone who clearly has spent a lot of time thinking about superpowers and how they would actually work, which, great, love love the energy, but, yeah, it's it's too much. Sometimes, sometimes it's really cool. I, Mahito's powers are really cool, and then Psychopath Son with the with the clapping powers. That I really like that a lot. Those powers are sweet. Kugisaki has yeah. has awesome powers. I love her voodoo powers. Um, Fushiguro's powers are sweet. The Blood Guy powers are sweet. Ghetto's powers. I, are sweet. I loved when when Fushiguro did the I can't beat you, but he can. He's to summon Divine yeah. General. That was literally sweet. the uh, the Thor meme. <laughs> um, speaking speaking of of memes, uh, you know we've been advancing this idea of. In in every manga you read, can can you can't summarize this manga <laughs> with one panel? And the one I was offering for this, because I was rereading a little bit as Dylan was reading, was catching up, uh, is in the Gojo flashback arc, which it, it's just a, a killer arc, dude. Really that, good. Speaking of panels that were are savable, we Dylan saved it. I was like, oh yep, I saved that panel too. I am exalted by the heavens alone. <laughs> so cool. He's like floating upside down. It has like the sort of traditional style drawn like clouds behind him. And he, he dude, Gojo is such a badass. But in that flashback, you know, it was Ghetto and Nanami, young Nanami in, in like the, you know, the basement of their school or whatever. And they're up against some undefeatable foe. And Nanami's like, why don't we just send Gojo to do it? <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, there it is. He, they say repeatedly he could kill everyone in the country if he wanted to, and he would not even break a sweat. In, so why are we here? What are we doing? In the uh, bonus chapter, that was the pre, the the most immediate chapter right before the one that we read for this week, which was one thirty. Uh, Gojo, they're like breaking the fourth wall over and over, and Gojo's like. Uh, you know, Itadori is like, what's the matter, Gojo? It, is singing the one thing you can't do? He's like, no, I have a perfect singing voice. As stated in the character book, I'm absolutely flawless at everything besides my personality. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, we were talking about this too in the, because co- I read the prequel as well, and it's like, same thing with this, with Yuda, like, he's God mode. Why, why is anyone else there? Why is, is, the Zenin girl that can't even use cursed energy even around, like... Well, 
Gojo is one interesting dynamic of of the OP thing that gets explored here is that Gojo has an explicit reasoning for not dealing with everything, which is that I'm not going to be here someday. Right. He wants more strong people around, mm-hmm. which I, I understand. Like that makes sense. But the buck stops somewhere, right? People's lives are in mortal danger. Yeah. At a certain point, you got to be like, well, well, he might retort that the only way that the really strong people we need are going to be forged is to a certain extent, putting them in mortal danger. No, but he was born this way. It wasn't training. He was, he was born. He was born this way, but you know, maybe not the next generation. You have to work with what you got. The only person that even comes close to sniffing him. Yuda is also apparently born this way. Cause he's a descendant of, of this guy. It's strongly suggested. Gojo has this one quote and I'd have to look it up to, to get the exact wording of it, where he sort of is suggesting to Fujiguro, like, yo, you got the Zenian thing going on and you can be the strongest of that clan. Like it, he sort of hints, like I'm looking at you as the, the person I'm going to try and pass the torch to. I mean, that's cool. I don't, Divine General, his strongest technique is pretty cool. It doesn't even seem close to anywhere near what Gojo's working with. But yeah, agree. Well, yeah, but he's a he's a student right now. Yeah, I but mean, but his technique is summoning the ten shadows. So if that's the strongest one that he can summon, that that's a pretty hard ceiling for his abilities. Well, that that's the strongest one he can summon right now. I feel like he said like there are ten shadows you can use like it's these ten and to get them you have to defeat them no one's been able to ever defeat the divine general so nobody can use him but that's how the technique works it's like there's ten shadows if you beat them then you can use them maybe not listener san uh, give me a look as you tell yeah me. I, I we're gonna have to fall back on chuchu kaisen is complicated here I, I don't exactly know the extent of of fushiguro's future possible powers but yeah. um I, I think there are solid in-universe explanations for Gojo's actions. All that being said, if you're, if you're looking to sum up Jujutsu Kaisen with one panel, it's as of right now, actually until this arc, it's why don't we just send Gojo? And that's why this arc is a cool popping off point, which is Ghetto, or the person controlling Ghetto, yeah. had a good, had a genius, gajillion IQ, big brain play, <laughs> said... We need to seal Gojo. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much the only move. We gotta. He has to not be here anymore. Um, we have handily. We have this uh, unblockable seal that we can just use. That's pretty cool. Nice. They clowned him. They they got him. He's he's sealed up right now. So, they sealed him up good. Yeah, it's it's not a bad plan except for the fact that apparently this, they can't move the seal. It's just like clunked into the floor. So it's not the best, but. You know, I guess if you kill everyone, then whatever. Yeah, uh, I guess it's a do what you need to do before he gets unsealed type of thing. Yeah, should we move on to the the actual chapter? Unless you have any other closing notes about catching, I I'll, I'll just say I'm I'm glad you're caught up. I knew you would like it. Yeah, I I don't necessarily know how you would rank it versus the other ones at this point, but I th- I think it's safe to say that you're excited to read it on if a week to week basis. If now. it keeps. Solo leveling has jumped back up to the top of the queue, but if if it keeps on the trajectory it's on, it's definitely above Dr. Stone. It's good. Uh, it's not coming close to Chainsaw, Boku, or One Piece, but it's definitely mm-hmm. high tier. It's it's a, a rank right now. I so, don't know what dimension of it it is that I enjoy more than you, but I would put it, 
I enjoy it at a level that's pretty similar to One Piece or Boku right now. Maybe not the the hyper wild ride of Chainsaw Man that we've had the last couple months. Yeah. Um, it's pretty close to me. Um, I, yeah. I, I I really fuck with it. I think honestly, the the only thing that's holding back my enjoyment is the is the hyper granularness of of the fights because it really slows down the pacing for me when everyone is always taking time to explain what they do and how they do it. But but I I'm I'm like it's growing on me. It's and there's been some cool fights like this cool fight with Mahito Sukuna popping off fifteen finger Sukuna just laying waste to everyone was very rad. Dude, Sukuna versus uh, Volcano Kun was sick. Yeah, very good. Riding in on the meteor like he he seems to have the uh, power like uh, I think his name is Gildarts from Fairy Tale. It's the disassembly power. Like he turns that girl with the phone into cubes of meat. Which is pretty gnarly. He he's got a lot of shit going on. He was using like fire techniques versus the volcano guy. Got you know yeah. his domain. That is... was crazy. Everything within 140 meters is getting infinitely slashed until I disassemble it. Inanimate, it's nothing. It's just gonna be a crater now. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. One last thing to discuss before we get into it because it's a topic that we will be discussing during this chapter. Uh. Translation, just so you guys know, depending on what you've read and where you're reading it, we may be referring to domain expansion or territorial expansion interchangeably. I kind of like the way that territorial expansion sounds a little bit more than domain expansion, but also the one viz is domain expansion. So I may say one or the other or yeah. both in the course of a discussion. And, you know, that's that's the way it is. Right. So Jujutsu Kaisen 130. Uh we have uh, uh, Itadori and the crazy guy. I forget his name. Toto. Toto. They're they're fighting Mahito, and it's been pretty zesty up to this point. Uh, Mahito had like split right. He he had a, a clone that was fighting Kugasaki, and they switched because the clone couldn't use the the body disfiguring technique, and the original that was fighting Itadori can't use that technique on Itadori. Because of Sukuna? Is that right? Right. I think yeah. so. Because there's another soul in there. Makes sense. Uh, so, yeah. It's pretty good. I, I really... I, as I said, I love the, the teleporting power, and I like the way it's drawn. It, 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 you'd think it'd be hard to convey something that is that movement-based in a still image, but no, they do a good job of that. You can, you, you can see them flying around the page when it's animated. That's going to be really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, that's another thing to mention. Jujutsu Kaisen anime has delivered thus it's good. far. It's, it's good. It's, it's been really solid. Yeah, that was a big part of what kicked me in the, into gear to read, because I watched the anime, and I was like, oh, I like this. This, yeah. is, this is good. It's popping. And the ending of the The ending theme is, is, is so, so gas. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a nice little disco beat, and everybody's getting it besides Fujiguro, because he's too cool. <laughs> um... Okay, so I, I said this to Dylan before uh, we went into this uh, chapter of Jujutsu Kaisen. I might have to do this every week. Be hopefully not every week, but this this week it was definitely worth it because there was a lot jammed in. Jujutsu Kaisen is really hard to, um, to follow, so I'm going to do a little bit more of a granular breakdown of what happened yeah. uh, in this fight, and then we'll discuss it. So <clears throat> here we go. Oh, also, um, as I was typing this down... My computer or Google Docs uh, auto-corrected Mahito to Mojito. <laughs> like Mojito. <laughs> he's very tropical, man. He's, he's chill. So uh, I'm going to call him Mojito from now on. Um, so uh, 
at the end of the last chapter, he was in a bind. Um, they decapitated his him, him, and you know he did that sort of body substitution thing. And Toto is like, oh, it's got to be eighty twenty. But which one's got the eighty? When which one's got the twenty? They defeated the the body double type thing, and then now you know it's Toto and and Itadori there, and and Mahito is like, ah, oh, crap, I'm in a bind. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do territorial expansion. But last time he threw out ter- territorial expansion, Sukuna canceled it. Right, um, that's why he didn't want to do it. It's a it's a risky play. But uh, Mojito's big thing is his uh, technique copying ability. Um, so he has been able to learn and progress at a crazy rapid rate throughout the whole story, and he copied Gojo's point two second deployment. So. Mojito's domain activation plus technique. So he uses the domain activation and the curse technique in 0.2 seconds. It's so quick that even though Toto defended himself by using a simple domain, um, Mojito still got his hand with idle transfiguration, which is the curse technique he uses inside of his uh, territorial domain. Um, which that technique like turns you into a Cronenberg film. You just become a blob monster. So cool. Yeah. Like, it, like we were saying before, body horror, you know, it, it's all over the manga because of like these weird curses and the way the curses look, but specifically Mojito, uh, his like weird little, um, abominations that he creates with this technique are so disgusting looking yeah and it's cool because in a, in a bunch of scenarios these were real people that you were just looking at a second ago as like real fully fledged characters and now a second later they're blob abominations that you have to punch in the face or they're going to kill you like that uh the uh emo kun um who uh he um his name starts with the j jun junpei yeah. yeah um he you know, he like we had all this emotional investment in Junpei, and he gets hoodwinked by Mojito to join his cause. And then, as Itadori is like really getting through to him, like, "Yo, you need to stop fucking with this guy." Mojito just puts his hand yeah. on his shoulder and is like, "Yeah, you're done now." And his head swells up like a balloon, and he becomes this weird lizard thing. You're like, "Yo, what the fuck? This is this is like a character. This is a developed character." They just the uh, Cronenberg did. Okay, so, um. Toto's hand gets hit by it, and Toto is quick enough to realize this. Itadori shouts out to him, actually, Toto, and he chops off his hand, which is a big deal. Yeah. Because he claps. That his, his jutsu requires him to clap to teleport, so now he's fucked. He basically can only be a, a support-type mon, because if he can high-five someone, okay, but that greatly reduces his fighting power. The uh, domain expansion and the curse technique was also quick enough, turned on and off, that Sukuna couldn't interrupt it. That was the big, the big difference this time versus the previous one. So, um, Toto cuts off his hand, and then Mojito recognizes this as his, you know, chance to... Ru- He's instantly rushing in, and he successfully lands a black flash, which we know is a cr- basically a crit but also is a small buff because anytime you land a black flash, you understand the essence of cursed energy a little bit better. It's when you're able to like get like the rebounding cursed energy, like 
the the tiniest split of a second behind. Yeah, your according punch. to the the wiki, it's like you release cursed energy within a millionth of a second of making contact. So it's like L canceling, basically. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, for for anybody else, you get that small buff of understanding the essence of cursed energy. By the way, this is a technique that's hard enough that even apparently Gojo cannot do this at will. Um, yeah, Nanami has the record. He did four in a row, which is, like, crazy. Yeah. Um, also, I think Gojo would probably have that record if he tried. You know, well, yeah, he, he's perfect he just, at everything. He, can he, do he just fucking deletes matter, so I, I don't really see why he's got to go punch somebody. In fact, I think it's probably his policy not to punch people too often. Um, so he lands this black flash on uh, Toto, which is a big deal for Mojito specifically because him, quote, understanding the essence of cursed energy, he is made of cursed energy. So he says that, like, I understand the essence of my soul later in the chapter. Right. Oh, right. I, see, I didn't flash. even pick up on that. Dude, okay. It's so... Like, it's it's a a million miles a second. Um, He lands a black flash on Toto, but Toto survives by reflexing cursed energy to his stomach. Toto's locket then falls off and breaks, which contains a picture of Itadori and the tall idol girl, which is hilarious. I have to tell you, he is so fucking creepy, this Toto. Really weird. Really weird guy. Are you you more of a tits or an ass guy? (laughs) And then if you answer wrong, I'm going to kill you. And if you answer right, now you're my brother, and I'm going to hallucinate a bunch of things that didn't happen. Like, remember that time we went to the water park? No. (laughs) Yeah, dude. But he's the man. He, he's a good fighter. Shows up here, and and he, he's he's ride or die. He, you know, emotionally, he's he's a good dude. So, as long as you're he's on your side, he's pretty cool. Um, so the locket falls and breaks, which breaks Mojito's focus just for a, a hair of a second as he was going in to hit him with an idle transfiguration because he can't clap anymore. You know, he's neutered. Um, so it breaks his focus for just a hair of a second, which allows Toto to do the coolest move of this chapter and clap Mojito's hand with his hand and yeah. activate his technique. That is BA. That is so BA. So he swaps Itadori in, who lands his own black flash on Mojito. And uh it, you know, sort of breaks up that moment. Mojito swaps in one of his like weird synthetic people that he's been creating. And uses this little break in the action after getting knocked back, plus the black flash bluff to, uh, buff rather, to understand the true essence of his soul, which is, you know, he's cursed energy, I guess. There might be more to come on that, but maybe not. Um, Itadori deals with that synthetic thing in that instant, but Mojito activates his true form called Instant Spirit Body of Distorted Killing. Yeah. And that's the end of the chapter. He he's, he hit the this isn't even my final form. Got the got the bad guy level up. That's always a fun thing to see. And his new form looks sick, bro. It looks like the future uh devil from Yeah, kind of. from Chainsaw Man. Yeah. I, that was the first thought I had. But that so that's the events of this chapter. My first note just to kick off the discussion was Mahiro is a Mojito Mahiro is a great character. He's an awesome character. He he is like super evil and violent but also like very childish like pretty much every time you see him he's playing with toys 
or he's like, you know, just being silly. And it, it just is adds to the creepiness of how, how violent he is and how much he hates Itadori, which is, yeah, he's, he's fun. And his powers are awesome. Like, they gave him a pretty uh, wide berth with soul because I don't necessarily know how soul, you know, he can shapeshift and, and disfigure people, but I'm here for it. Like, it's cool. It's, it's soul powers. We love that. Yeah, it's used creatively time and time again. Um, he's got this, like, exactly like you said, this wide range of powers, but uh, really interesting character arc, and it's a character, it's a compelling character. It feels a lot like Shigaraki, um, that it's, like, this villain that they've invested with a lot of childishness at first, so they have room to, like, sort of grow into a more developed character, even down to the white hair. You know, yeah. I, I think there's a lot of similarities between them. Shigaraki was immature in the sense that he was, like, kind of an edgelord, whereas Mahito felt like... Well, he, he's like a... Ch Mahito's like a child. Right, right? exactly. Yeah. It's like, he's not... Like, he, he is malicious, but it's not... Like, Shigaraki is just basically the kid in seventh grade with the dyed hair who hates everyone. And, and Mahito is, like, when he kills people, it's more like, oh, that, that's neat. Look, his head exploded. That's pretty crazy. Like, Yeah, but he's also crazy strong and yeah. smart. Um, so the, the fights with him are really cool. Uh, maybe the coolest, I, I think I probably would say the coolest uh, territorial expansion in, in the series. Is his? Yeah, dude, the, like the hand cage. And the hands in his mouth, too, doing the, the seal. Yeah. Uh, Self-embodiment of perfection. Come on, yeah, that's badass. That's so cool. It's definitely rad. I, I, I like Infinite Void more because I fuck with that idea of like you stare into the unknowable nothingness and it floods your brain with information and you're just insane. You can't even handle it. Do you but, think? Do you think any? <laughs> do you think anybody's ever like? You don't even need like psychedelics. You could just say Gojo. Come on, man. Just hit me with like a couple seconds. Yeah, of, no, of, yeah. Point one 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 second. <laughs> Just want to like trip out for for a second, you know. Give give me that limitless info. Like, <laughs> nah, man, I really don't think you you, you want. <laughs> or he could just fuck with people too. Yeah, like, well, it, so it showed that when you did like point two seconds on humans, they just passed out. They couldn't even handle it. So mm -hmm. maybe, regardless, yes, Mahito is is really great. And over the course of this fight, even you're seeing the character development happen because he's. You know, kind of trying to contend with with Itadori, who's his natural enemy, and then Kugasaki, who's all, like also kind of the hard counter to him because she can attack his soul with her fucking voodoo needles. Yeah, you see his plans get blown up and him adapt in real time, which is pretty cool. Um, he's like, "Oh shit, I wasn't expecting that," and then yeah. figure stuff out. And then this most recent uh, understanding the true essence of my soul buff who, who knows how strong he's about to be yeah i also i gotta give a shout out uh in general i like the way kugasaki's written and she gets an, an acknowledgement from mahito he's like i thought this bitch was was nothing but she hurt me the most it turns out so like that's cool that's cool yeah, to see she does have a pretty hard counter to yeah. uh to his stuff but um oh also, yeah we didn't even talk about this there's no way Kugasaki dies. Oh, she got brained, bro. She got totally brained, but they say as she's dragging her off, like, uh, you know, like she's like in this stasis or whatever. Yeah, but there, you know, there, there has to be consequences from this. That was too right. serious of an injury. If she walks away with nothing, th that's going to be an eye roll for me. You don't, she had a massive hole in her head. Like, it, yeah. You, 
She got she got big time brained. Yeah. So I, I I agree on both counts that I think you don't put a panel in there that's like she could be saved without saving her. And it would I feel like it would be weird for her to die at this point in the story. But um not too weird. But also, yeah, you don't put a big fucking hole in her head without consequences. Yeah. So some sort of interest you know, maybe she's got some sort of zombification thing going on and she like Ooh, that would voodoos be cool. herself. Voodoo doll yourself? That would be cool if she was like a like a zombie. Yeah. I'm into it. We'll see. But for now That would make the uh I, I'm a model gag like 10 times oh, funnier. Too. What? You don't think I'm hot anymore just because I got a fucking hole in my head? What is the problem? <laughs> I think that would be really funny. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I, I think my last note on, on Mahito was uh, I also like the idea that he, unlike Shigaraki, is like not going to grow into being the big overall series bad. He's just like a cool villain almost like in a rival capacity for Itadori, not right. like his is like overall like archbad of the series. Well, it I'm unclear because at first uh I thought Ghetto was controlling Mahito because that's his power. But it doesn't really seem like that's the case. So he could still be the big bad because you're right, he he Ghetto and and Gojo are together but it feels like uh mahito and, and itadori really have have the rival thing going it does feel like he's approaching the end of his life you know when you hit the final form level up that's usually comes right before the spirit bomb that kills you but yeah i don't, I don't know if it's as much that he's gonna die here or as much that he uh he might just um you know like be able to scurry away after this fight and that you know him and Itadori will fight again, but he doesn't. He doesn't feel like the big bad of the series. He feels like Itadori's personal sort of vendetta. Yeah, yeah. I I think I I bang with that. Which also might uh, play into an overall dynamic that's kind of interesting. Itadori doesn't exactly have the I'm I'm the guy who's gonna save the world kind of vibe. No, his his thing is is like I'm just trying to save save people, and yeah. actually that's. Throughout the whole fight, Mahito keeps saying that, like, I'm you. Like, I just kill people because that's what I do. Like, you just save people because that's what you do. Like, it's the, it's the same. It's two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I could easily see, like, towards the end of the series, you know, I, it might be Fushiguro who's, like, big, big, strong, good guy taking care of the global business where, where Itadori has, like, sort of more, you know, uh, low-key, like insanely important fight but you don't know about it if you know unless you know yeah I, Maybe I something like that i i could actually see that because as i said it doesn't it's not that itadori is not important but he's he doesn't feel like the main focus to me like naruto's getting the big fight right he sasuke might be there but Nar, naruto's landing the rasengan but it doesn't it doesn't you're right it doesn't necessarily feel that way itadori's story is smaller and more personal and about him, I want to be surrounded by people when I die. I want to die a good death. That's kind of his mm -hmm. his ethos. Yeah, and I I actually like that. I think that that uh is is working for me right now. Yeah, but we'll see. Like yeah. like we were saying before, it does feel like this is like sort of a jumping off point for the story. So time will yeah. tell. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely interested. 
they can't get Gojo back after this, right? It it just reverts back to um, you know, Armistice. If they have Gojo, then they they win again. It's been stated repeatedly. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. Um but they might use the time in which Gojo is sealed to change something about the world, unleash some sort of I think, chaos. I think that uh, Brain Snatcher-san, his ultimate plan is to get Gojo's body because in the flashback, Ghetto says, like, if I was you, like, I wouldn't have any of these problems. Like, you could do whatever you want. Like, if I could just be literally be you then i i could also do whatever i want that would be sweet yeah which also gets uh brings up the question of whether or not the dude controlling ghetto has the same aspirations as ghetto had in the gojo flashback i.e i'm kill gonna all kill humans. all the <laughs> non uh jujutsu sorcerers to end the existence of curses i don't know i mean it definitely seems like he's moving to that goal but who can say? It's too early to tell on that front. Uh, hmm. Do you have anything else on this? No, I think I think we've dwelt for a while yeah. on uh, on Jujutsu Kaisen. But wel- welcome to the spate, Jujutsu Kaisen. Yeah, this it's is good. Good, good, uh, good first uh, chapter. Of that. So this week there's no solo leveling and there's no Boku, but we did watch something called Japan Sinks. Do you want to talk about it? I was. You want to save it to the end? Okay. I, let's let's chug through some some uh, chapters so we can sort of be as open ended as we want with Japan Sinks. Okay. Then let's just uh, bang through Doctor Stone really quick. Not too much. They got motorcycles. They, yeah. I, <laughs> I I think the rest of rest of these chapters should are are significantly less newsworthy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Doctor Stone, we're going from rubber to tires at the beginning, and by the end. They have the tires and the and the, and the accompanying motors. The only note that I have, because Stanley figures out their ruse, they sent uh, Mobile Lab son away. Stanley figures it out, reverses course. Now the panel where he arrives at the beach, Suika and uh, Ginro are not with the squad because they're standing on the abandoned boat and they see them come in, and then you see the rest of the squad driving away on motorcycles. No, so Suika is standing on the top of their abandoned boat. Ginro is on. The sh- Ginro's still on the ship with the the bag. Oh, guys. that's right. Yeah, but so I, I'm 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 assuming that when they bust out of the boat in the motorcycles, that Suika, you know, does a yeah, some athletic yeah. hop onto the motorcycle. That makes a lot more sense. Ginro getting left behind. That's okay, but they're not going to leave the greatest uh, Kawhi detective behind. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, I guess Ginro's just going to be packing it with them the whole time. Uh, yeah, his his kind of mo is like. I'm just here. <laughs> I keep getting captured. And that's it. Uh, there were there was another one of like pretty much the exact same interaction as we got last time with Zeno. That's like uh, the wry smile of like, well, as long as as long as Senku's in control, I can trust in his science. Yeah, he's 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 full uh, Senku bro now. He fucking turn around and yeah. tell Stanley not to kill them. Like, he's right there. He's literally right there. Like, whatever. Wave. I've just now accepted that this is how it is. You're. It, I don't know, and it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I hope it gets resolved, and it's not literally the drive, the plot driver for the rest of the globe trip. 
I don't I don't see Stanley as a long term yeah. villain. He's probably a villain for the South America arc. I'm hoping not because they did throw out like, oh, so what? So is Stanley going to chase us around the rest of the world? Which is, you know, I I agree. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, the only other note I had was I just thought it was fucking hilarious when the captain dude said, you know, they're talking about how they need these six motorcycles, like, basically in, like, two nights or whatever. That's the amount of time that they have before the Stanley ship gets there. And he's like, understand, I want to see some explosive desire for those finished products. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Explosive desire coming right up. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me... I, they do the thing that they do in, in Full Metal Alchemist as well, where they're like, no, I'm greedy, but it's good because I'm I'm greedy for, like, I love my friends. I want to have the most friends. And I'm like, in real life, this is a really noxious person, but that's fine. <laughs> Whatever. And, and he's very talented at uh, being a captain, so that's cool. But it, even that secondary is just fucking hilarious to say to people, I want to see some explosive desire. <laughs> <laughs> just say, let's let's... Let's, like I, I want to see some hard work, guys. I'll show you some explosive desire. <laughs> How about that? That's that's lewd. That's, <laughs> that's lewd. Too lewd. Yeah, um, but yeah, not too much happens. They get tires. They get motorcycles. We're out. We're we're riding away from Stanley. We're in the jungle now. That's cool. I'm 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 not uh un unenthused about it. It's just not the most exciting chapter. Oh, also, I didn't even take note of this. Um, the. One other thing that happens in the chapter could be nothing, could be something is when they land on the shore, uh, they say, oh, the desert must have creeped up over the last, you know, or like the they, they're basically remarking at the fact that the like the ocean has receded. Yeah. Um, over they they arrive in Ecuador. Right. And it's just it's landscape has changed. It's just desert, which maybe means Chelsea doesn't have the the knowledge that she had previously. We'll see. But I, I mean, there's still got to be rainforest. It'd be pretty nutso if it was just like all a desert. Yeah, who knows? Okay, yeah, yeah that's pretty short and sweet. Uh, I, I think I said something like check back next week. Yeah. Uh, motorcycles acquired. Right as Stanley lands. What? How far <laughs> ahead are they? Find out next week. Yeah, cool. Okay. <laughs> um, Chainsaw Man is... Uh, oh, by the way, by the way, uh, we were on Jujutsu Kaisen 130. That was Dr. Stone 175 and Chainsaw Man... 94. Right. Um, throwing Chainsaw Man out there because it's also another short chapter. Now, again, you said this last week, and I think I'm going to... I don't know, but especially with the last couple of panels of this chapter, this, again, feels like we're in the endgame. We we just dove right back into yeah. the action. I who knows? I'm not. I'm, I'm so close to just being done trying to theorize anything, especially with the, uh, with the as far as like the time frame for Chainsaw yeah. Man is concerned. The story's wide open because like that's that's some crazy shit for Makamo to say to him. But then on the other hand, we had all this stuff about come to hell and find me. So you know that that could be done in two chapters. The, the you know who who knows what's going on anymore and I, I don't care to guess. So basically, we get a sweet mix in this chapter, Chainsaw Man versus the Eight Weapon Disciples, a bunch of zombies and then all of Makima's goons and suits. Uh but the problem is Chainsaw Man had got the massive debuff because he's now the hero of Earth and people are not afraid of him. So it's not as easy. Last time he handily washed he was doing the throw my heart from upper atmosphere and reform around it. There's no more of yeah, that. That's high tier technique. We do see that he retained at least a little. 
because he's fighting at least technique wise on a much deeper level than he ever did right as denji chainsaw man he does chainsaw earthquake to, yeah to and he's using the chains off. to as basically like whips like snaking them through the earth to grab people so yeah cool he shoots the the chains out or, or around two of the like uh gravestones and and you know pulls himself out of the pile of people like that technique wise he's obviously leveled up several times so i think he may have retained that experience yeah as that person you know he can remember it but like you said He's his power, you know, br brute strength is diminished because, he, you know, exactly what you said. The people of Earth love him now. The main thing that I took from this chapter, Makima says to flame flamethrower guy, we don't have to be afraid of him anymore. Like, I, I got his ass now because mm -hmm. people people love him. And that's that's big. Like that. You don't have to be afraid like you can. Chainsaw Man is is defeated. Like that's that's pretty nuts. Which is also the necessary requirement for Makima's power to kick in. Right. right? I have does to think she, I'm I'm better than you. With this with this debuff, does she consider herself better than him now? I think she still needs to beat him because at the end of the chapter, she says like, "I'll I, come forth. I'll I'll mix you myself." Like she feeds him the Wake blood. Up, Denji. Yeah. I'll kill you personally. That's the other thing. Blows with me. She calls him Denji and not Chainsaw Man. So mm -hmm. that is a, a check in the column of this is uh, Denji in the driver's seat. Yeah, and the I other think, guy I think was we not. feel pretty confident now that this that this dude is Denji and definitely nowhere close to denji was in control of the yeah the intestine scarf version uh, awakened chainsaw man one one question i had about this chapter was that uh it seemed like from the end of the last chapter or the second half of the last chapter that denji sort of chose the venue for this fight you know he's just like sitting there on a fence and makima comes to him what makes you say that i, I didn't well, we, get we, we have no we have no context for the yeah. fight. It literally opens but why why would he have been sitting there on that fence? That's true. It, maybe maybe he just it's not that he picked the spot for any reason. It's just like whatever, I'll just sit here. Makima's going to find me. It doesn't matter where. Well, whether it was happenstance or strategy, he blundered pretty bad considering that Makima immediately controls all the zombies yeah. in the graveyard <laughs> to attack him. I was reading that. I was just like, uh, you blew it. You blew yeah. it. You probably could have fought her anywhere. And you, you know, you picked a, picked a pretty unfriendly setting for yourself. I don't know where else would be worse than instant activation of like, you know, a meat shield army. Yeah. But meat shield is kind of the natural weakness to a chainsaw based fighter. Like he just slices through them, which is fine. Yeah. They don't have any powers. He yeah. just, he just dices them up. It, the the mixing was cool. Uh, I I I kind of wish that we could get more one on ones because I want except for the katana guy. The rest of them we really don't get to see them do anything cool. Like they do a, a couple techniques, but I I wish that we could have got more. It, it doesn't feel like that's gonna happen at least right now. Especially yeah. Quansha. Like I just she just it seems so cool. I want to see and she's the bow and arrow demon. That's that's interesting. Like surely she she could be she could be cool, but oh no, bon Ree's got a got a pop off moment too. But the point. Yeah, um, it it, it seems like the main use of the the weapons people like 
both times that they've they've done this seven on one now is uh establish like establishing power scale you know like we knew how how strong the previous you know the the awakened chainsaw man was which was crazy strong and now we know how let the record show that if it were just them there denji in this chapter would have beaten them yeah you know he was taking damage but washing them um which i think definitely does he he retained some exp from from blood scarf chainsaw man because yeah he was he was beating them beating them and all the goons pretty pretty handily uh or at least seemed like he was on the way to that conclusion he was dishing damage out really well but he was also taking damage pretty hardcore yeah yeah, but I think I think yeah, even even eight on one, if it's just that, I think I would still give it to Chainsaw Man. Maybe it's just a. Does he have to figure out how to activate that form? Because if he's chilling there with a business shirt on and it's just flesh, then shit like arrows is gonna hit you and hurt a lot. But the you know the awakened Chainsaw Man had a full set of armor on. I don't know. I mean, maybe he just has to kill a couple people make people scared of him again yeah is that just a function of power you know just like i'm more powerful now i got the armor and i'm even more powerful and i got the extra set of chainsaws yeah just like find uh the local radio broadcaster and say hey here's a sack of heads what do you think of that everyone i killed them (laughs) pretty scary right yeah maybe uh I really like the the note in this chapter where Makima is explaining that they don't need to be afraid of him, and, and she's like, they, they merchandise him. They, yeah. <laughs> you know, do they sell like uh like plushies, Chainsaw Man plushies? Yeah, once once you've been co opted by the uh, corporate Japanese machine, you're you're as mainstream as it gets. This is a late capitalist critique in, in <laughs> Chainsaw Man, but uh, honestly, cool chapter. Um, it's, it's just so weird in Chainsaw Man, like, if you blinked and missed the chapter where, uh, he's talking to Kishibe and all that, we just went straight from him mixing those people in in Makama to him mixing them again, but he doesn't have the intestine scarf and armor on anymore. Yeah. Now, but... But now it this fight feels different. This is the first time that Makima's directly engaging, it seems like. Probably because she thinks she can win now. So fair call. But that that is different. No, oh, oh yeah. The the entire tenor attitude and meaning of the fights are completely different. It's just crazy that the turnaround time was one chapter. Yeah. Two you know? there's two chapters, basically, <laughs> but yes, agree. Uh, yeah, it's, just, it's a wild ride, but that's, that's the extent of what I have to say about this. Chainsaw Man, you're, you're gorgeous. Yeah, right? I'm here you're, for it. You're, I'm uh, very proud. You're the, you're the, the number one president, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited every week to read. Yeah. So then we can wrap up the spate with One Piece, unless you got more in Chainsaw yeah. Man. One Piece, One Piece was a pretty thick chapter, actually, this yeah. week. Yeah, 996. We're creeping toward a thousand. Oh, baby. Um, so I think we, I think we may have failed to mention last week that, um, in, in all our excitement about the whole Usopp Nami situation that they were saved by Otama and her Komainu, um, Oh, right. She, she, Otama is the girl 
who can pull things off her cheeks and yeah, feed them to people. Chibidongo girl. Yeah, and if she does that, then they become like her thrall, basically. It wasn't super important. It was very important that we discussed the whole Usopp Nami situation. Yeah. Um, but there is some interesting stuff coming from Otama in this chapter. Um, one is she brought back Hihimaru, the uh, the monkey from the very, very, very beginning of the arc. Like, oh, that yeah. monkey is attacking Luffy on the beach. Right. And she rolls in on the Komainu and saves him and then gives that monkey the Chibidango. I thought that was cool. And then also she says to the monkey, <clears throat> stave them off for three minutes. And I, that, like, immediately jumped out at me. I was like... I think, so, at the end of the chapter, Sanji hears something. Somebody's here. Somebody's arrived on the scene. There's a new player here. So I think maybe they say, listen, little girl, three, three minutes stall time, then we're going to do our heroic reveal or whatever. I thought at first it was um, Ivanko, because in the unofficial translation I read, it was like his laugh, like the oof-oof-oof-oof. But then in the official translation, it's not no, that. No, it so, wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. Um, I think it's going to be one of the Toby Ropo that, that are just like fucking off and, and getting drunk and cavorting. But, but... Sanji hears something that like freaks him out. He's like, "Oh shit! Did you guys hear that?" Which is why, if it was the, I think he's freaking out because he's hearing like some lewd stuff. He's he's like, "Cause it, my lord, you mustn't. It would be so naughty." <laughs> um, I think he's just hearing like lewd stuff, and he's like, "You know, it's he's perving out." There's titties around, you guys. Did you know? Well, maybe we'll see. Uh, but that's the very end of the chapter. We've skipped the whole uh, middle of the chapter. Which is where a lot of stuff is popping off. Right. Uh, uh, after the Otama scene, we go to Yamato, who won't abandon Shinobu and Momo because that's not what Odin would do. Um, Sasaki's pissed because she busted up his, his armored division. And just before Yamato versus Sasaki pops off, Frankie shows up on the scene, followed by the weird super teen giant. Yeah. Who smashes a hole in the floor. They fall through the hole. It's exactly what you said. It's just, you're on one level. We're knocking you down three levels. Climb back up. Okay. okay. It's, uh, the, the level game is, is like omnipresent in, in One Piece. I'm fine. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. That's not like subtlety in, in the arc structure is really not what I'm, I'm here for in One Piece. Before she leaves, you know, she realizes, she's like, oh, duh, why didn't I think of that? We could escape through the floor, you know, because they're, they're cornered by Sasaki. So uh, the big giant busts the floor, and they're falling down through the floor. But she says, Frankie, Luffy told me to handle the situation with these two. So you handle the situation with Sasaki. But before I go, parting gift, and fucking wallops the huge giant. Yeah, one shots. Very cool. Oko. Um, the, the, the super giant with a ranged attack. So I was right last week that she was definitely doing a ranged attack. I don't know what the basis of her ranged attack is, but she... Could she have just, like, hit a rock with, with armament hockey? I don't know. I hear, I'll look Because she has a club, so, like, I, I mean, of course she could have a devil fruit. I would say it's a, a likely thing that she does, but... It looked to me like it was like a, a rock or a ball or something that she just whacked at him because it hits him under the chin. 
Uh, it didn't. It didn't seem like it was like an energy attack or like an elemental type attack. It just seemed like a blunt object that was striking. Uh, there's there's definitely no. Um, I don't know. It might have been one of the pieces of debris. That right, that's what I'm thinking. Down. Like a rock is falling through the air, and she just cracks it and, and nails the guy. But there was nothing like that the last chapter when she she that's also true. does a ranged attack. And it it looks almost like a, like a big beam coming out of the floor, but that's also how you would draw a object. Yeah, getting chucked at that. I don't know. And and we we've already established in universe that like a sword user can just do a really strong sword slash right. and send a ranged attack. So it might just be that. Um, but it was badass. Yeah, and very a cool. Good. Cool establishing power for for her that like. Turn around, jump shot, fade away. One now I'm hit out. KO yeah. on, on this dude is nothing doing. You know, she's just like, oh, hold on. Like, I, I should thank you for coming and, and solving this situation for me. Wop. Um, yeah, I mean, it may, she's, she's Kaido's son, so you're going to be strong. But it's definitely good to see. I, I, I want more of these moments, but I want them for the straw hats. Like, I, it's great that these side characters are doing cool shit, but like, let, let me let me get to the mixes, please. Maybe a thousand setting up, setting up, setting up a thousand. All the fights happen. That's cool. I can deal with it. General Frankie versus Saki will be it's it's mid tier on my interest. I always like a good Frankie fight, but uh, it's that not the most exciting. Yeah, I I mean I was more interested to see Frankie fight the huge giant. Yeah. That seemed like it made more sense, but also Sasaki is a little bit more interesting than like it, And if he's the the, the, the giant mech, sort of had the doofus thing going on. If so. he's the mech commander, we might get a cool robo fight, which mm -hmm. is always welcome in my world. Yeah. Absolutely. We get interesting plot stuff as Yamato is heading off with uh, an injured Shinobu and Momonosuke under arm. Momonosuke, you must survive. It is imperative that you survive. You are the one who must guide the world to the dawn. Right, so that Yamato is aware of this concept of, like, the dawn of the, the new world, you know? So, mm. Which is, like, I don't remember exactly what that is, but I know I've heard that before. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It's, it's basically setting up the idea that... Uh, Momonosuke represents the future, the inherited will of Odin. You have to live. You're the one that's going to reshape this world, open the country, make the vision that my man Odin was trying to uh, bring forth. It's you, so don't die. I, I think it's interesting both that Yamato knows about this. How did, how did she find out? What's her sort of, you know, probably the straightest, straight up example is that she got um, sort of schooled on on the the mystery workings of the highest orders of pirates by Kaido. You know, I don't know how much information Kaido had. He doesn't strike me as particularly interested in ancient history. I mean, he at the very least knows about the road poneglyphs and and he did work for to, Rock, so that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, he, he probably knows a significant amount. Um, the so there there's this Yamato angle. What what does she? mean by you know the dawn of the new world what does she consider that to mean herself how did she learn about that but then also why is she saying that Momonosuke 
is the one who must guide the world to the dawn. I I took that to mean she's she's interested she's inherited Odin's will and what Odin was concerned with was Wano. So when she says that I don't think she means you're the one that's going to unlock the one piece and and do whatever it is that needs to be done it's more more localized. You're the you're the future of this country is what I'm interested in. It could be the former where she's where he has some bigger role. I'm not discounting that, but that I don't know cuz yeah, why why the fuck would she know that? Like I don't know. Yeah, all I'm saying is there there's that that's a whole lot to unload in one panel. Yeah. Um it uh, to this point we we're considering Momo an important person for the super arc that is everything that's happened since Fishman Island. Um but not really at least as far as I was concerned with the end game of the entire story. I'm still not convinced that he's that important. It could be, but I I don't know. Like he he's the son of Odin, which is pretty good. He has a a dragon devil fruit, which is pretty good too. But neither of those read to me as like the savior of mankind. Oh, the the other place that the uh, night slash dawn imagery occurs is his mom when she was doing the, the the sort of like prophecy. Yeah. The night that everything happened, I forget. But the, the, the prophecy that, is but... is pretty much exclusively related to Wano and Wano's future. Right, right. That's that's Wano. So why does she say the world though? Maybe. I don't know. I was going to say it's a mistranslation, but that's that's Viz, so no, it's not that. Uh we should all, we should disclaim Viz is not infallible and there are probably situations in which, you know, they, these are real people at Viz. They they don't talk to Oda and yeah. get his direct intention. They have a translation team and they translate like other people. And translation is also a zero sum game. You know, it, it, it is not a zero sum game rather. Um it's not, you know, who translates perfectly and other people don't there's realms of connotation um and sort of subtleties that might better be you know are impossible to translate into english so it's not necessarily a, a, a case that one is better all the time i tend to evaluate them most of the time on the pleasure of reading them which actually would probably tend more towards less loyal translation and more towards taking freedom to get like the spirit of the idea yeah right well regardless uh, why did she say the world i don't know uh i would be pretty surprised if momonosuke was the central figure to whatever the end game of one piece is yeah we don't have too much to to go off of there which leads me to agree with you that like it probably would have been hinted right there's so much has been foreshadowed it would just be crazy to me if if all of a sudden this guy was oh he's the one he's whatever i think it's probably something more to do with some hidden importance that wano has on a global scale that like yamato considers odin's will which in in manifest is uh opening wano's borders that opening wano's borders would like set some sort of chain of events in motion that would lead the world to its dawn 
Yeah, well. Or maybe I I don't know. Could be could be could be a ton of shit. Yeah. But um I I mean I'm not necessarily against that idea. Like the there's something in Wano, for sure. There's some there's at the very least they have a poneglyph, right? Mm-hmm. So there's something there. Uh I have my personal theories on what the quote dawn is. I so I don't necessarily know how Wano plays into it, but that's why Oda's the man and I'm not. I you know, I can't can't see the road ahead. Uh anyway, uh anything else in this chapter? We we haven't finished it. Oh, no, yeah, yeah there, there's there's a bunch more left. Yeah. That poneglyph note is actually a, a good transition to the next thing we see talked about here, which is uh law remembering Korra's speech to him about the people of the D who are known as the en- enemies of the gods. We have in the time during the time skip it looks like um law's introduction to robin Mm. um or it might have been somewhere else it's hard to tell where it was but uh her finding out that he's a d and her saying like i'm very interested in the d's um you know i'll i'll discussions of that and then the d discussion goes into the poneglyph discussion and we see that law is in the basement looking for poneglyphs yeah he Um, can't read them though right yeah no yeah so maybe he'll have some way of pressing it what wild mode would be he fucking rooms the poneglyph out totally within the scope of his powers why not yeah i yeah you know just compared to what they've done to get the rest of the Podoclus. Yeah. Just, uh, we're, we're fucking taking this joint on the road. Um, and then the coolest thing uh, of this little sort of, it's it's not even a page, you know, or, or it is like exactly one page of uh, of the chapter uh, is, is Law's little sort of side note here. But he talks to Cora out loud and he says, hey, Cora, I've made up my mind. I want to know the meaning of this checkered fate. Yeah. Law is so badass. He's dude. just the man. He's so cool. And, yeah. Can't say enough nice things about Law. He's fucking cool. His powers are the coolest in One Piece. I'm there for it. I like his tattoos as well. Yeah, he looks like a chiller. He, yeah. He he just seems like a he seems like a chiller. Even though actual actual personality wise, he kind of, he's kind of a uh you know wet towel, but um like just character design wise, he looks like somebody you would like meet or talk to in yeah. real life, which is pretty crazy compared to the the rest of everybody <laughs> in in One Piece. Um, I also like that they included even just this one panel because it establishes motive for him after defeating Kaido. Yeah, you know everything after Doflamingo was even up in the air with him, but you could say like. Okay, this guy put Doflamingo up to it, so if I have a bone to pick with Doflamingo, then it's really with him. Um, or just general pirate ambitions, but that seems a little out of character for him. So this really says, for me, it, it like, it. we could have inferred this, but it says in plain terms, like, Korra, I, I have this name D for a reason, and you told me that it's important, so I'm going to see this through yeah. and find out what it really means. In It's not an exact one-to-one, but, you know, a theme in One Piece is, like, the cyclical nature of life and, like, inherited wills, so, like, you draw the line 
from from Roger to Luffy and from like Garp to Kobe. It's I kind of draw the line from like Whitebeard to Law, where it's like the the next strongest to the to the Pirate King and Whitebeard also seemed to be interested in not necessarily power but like knowledge and and community and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think I think I'm definitely on board with that. I mean, you don't have to be yeah. on board as you say it's it's explicitly stated. That's what I'm doing. And uh no, those those parallels the three of them Luffy, Roger, Law, Whitebeard and Kid um Shiki. It's yeah. it's like, you know, uh very on the surface. Um I also really like that now this sets him up to be the main person to go after the secret of what D means because Luffy is not interested in the slightest. Right. It, that was established at Shaki's. Um, Which actually I'm I'm kind of good with because when we get to the end with Im and the giant straw hat and the lost sentry, Law is the one that I want in there. He's going to be asking the intelligent questions. L- Luffy doesn't give a shit about that, which is great. Right. He's going to do the destroy the red line with the fucking giganto pistol. Cool, but in terms of getting lore and answers, this is a good look for for us, for for the for the viewer. Yeah. I mean, the the whole series is set up to have some person ranting it at him at the end about, you know, this or that, don't you understand the importance, all, all that we've worked to maintain, and him saying, I don't care about any of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm breaking through. Um, that's cool. That's what I want. And, and exactly like you said, that's cool. We want that. But then we also want somebody there who is going to be asking the right questions, and it, for, it will make sense to have, like, a conversation about that stuff with, so. Yeah, and... and... If if he does have the last Poneglyph, it like he's set. He he could just disappear for a while. We could even just get like a side quest of of him. He doesn't have to because it seems like after this, people are gonna split up again. So he's like, all right, I'm off to find the secrets of reality. See you in five hundred chapters or whatever. <laughs> cool. Yep. Um. That's that's pretty much it though for law. Uh we get another one with with the other uh sort of super rookie. Uh we get another um one of these small asides that's kid and killer running up through the castle amassing a fuck ton of scrap metal and yeah. swords and whatnot and you know they they're kids sort of spitballing like killer you think this is enough? Like, I have, I have a lot of metal here. And Killer has a cool one-liner. He's like, our enemy is this world's strongest pirate. You can't have too much. Killer's, Killer's cool. He he did turn into a child murderer during his time in Wano, but whatever. Who, who among killer. us? He's a bad, they're, they're bad guys. They're bad guys. They, you know, that's what they do. Um, and he's Daft Punk. He's Daft Punk, man. Yeah. Craft Punk. They, they did have... He was had my favorite joke in this arc when he reunites with his crew, crew and they're like, "How dare they make Killer so joyful?" Because he's got the perma smile now. I'm like, "That's funny." Um, and then finally, uh, we get to the top. We see Kaido just busting out. He's got the huge veins and he's just letting loose and cracking people. He's cracking Kinemon. He's cracking Kiku. Not just cracking; they're down. They're yeah, they're down. He's for the count. laying people low, um, which is really cool. It does also show them like landing hits on him. Like Kiku, like gets a stab in, but you know, you're you're doing nothing. Here. Yeah, like next to nothing. Um, 
that's it on on the roof. That's that's the only thing it shows, but it pretty much establishes that um he's he's beaten the uh the scabbards. Although I am seeing now in the background some uh is that Neko and Inu? There's still some uh silhouettes that have their eyes like lit up. It might be Neko and Inu. I don't but, um, think I don't think all the scabbards are defeated, defeated, but they're on the way there. Like a couple of them are are KO'd, and then the rest are in the red, which is convenient because Luffy's almost on the scene. So that's you know. Well, theoretically, too, um, at least the way I understand the power levels of the scabbards, Neko and Inu in Sulong form should be. By a good bit, the strongest. Yeah, definitely. Them. So maybe them, those two, if they're still in Sulong right now, could could hold Kaido back, deal some damage or whatever. But really, like you said, it's it's like the waiting game is being played or has been played now, and it's like okay, Luffy's almost there. Um, Big Mom is rocketing up through the establishment. She's passing straight through the the Isoni floor, and she says, uh, "Peace out. Don't worry." I'm only interested in going up top where Kaido is. Same. Same, Big Mom. I don't give a shit about the Izoni game. So what's her deal? She has this alliance with Kaido, right? Yeah. So it's it's to her benefit to to help him out if people are trying to cut him down. Especially now that she knows that Marco is here. Maybe she's like, we gotta regroup. We gotta fucking kill everybody in here. Or maybe she's crazy. She's definitely crazy. Also, Big Mom, another female character that's strong and not sexualized. Big facts. Big yeah. facts. Um, she's just crazy. Yeah. But, uh, she's very fine. mentally ill that's and fine. a cannibal. But that's, you know, um, we love that. That's cool. I'm hoping that she betrays the Pirate Alliance immediately and we get some on-screen Big Mom Kaido fight. Would love. And honestly, maybe I take that because I don't see how you have that and then have Luffy fight. Or or have a, two of them at the same time. No, but Big Mom fights Kaido, who's already been fighting the Scabbards. She's going to do a, a lot of damage. If she doesn't knock him out, she's putting him in the red. That's not really... I mean, maybe that's the only way Luffy gets the dub, but that's not uh, that impressive to me. It doesn't... It doesn't uh, I, I would just rather see a cool fight between Big Mom and, and Kaido than... To see a okay fight between them, and then Luffy comes in at the end and lands the KO. That's yeah. But until she gets up there, I don't think we really know what she's heading up there to do. Um, yeah. Finally, that leaves us at the last page of the chapter, which is Luffy is almost at three F. It says, "What you know? What floor are we on now? If we climb those stairs, we'll be at the third. Uh, the roof is above the fifth floor." So they're, you know, if they're, if you consider them two and a half now, they're basically halfway up, um, which is good, but also a lifetime. My man has been climbing um, these stairs for 15 chapters, <laughs> feels like. Yeah, <laughs> like what else is new? Um, Sanji, who I, I also like, um, you know, he might be... Sh- shading more to the observation side of, of the hockey stuff versus Zoro. Yeah. Although, on the other hand, he's black leg, so... He does have armament hockey. They, I think they, they both yeah. have both, but... Yeah. Uh, who knows? Um, do you guys hear that? 
Can't you hear it from the third floor? Hear what? And then this is what we were talking about before the... Come, my dear. But, my lord, you mustn't. It would be so naughty. <laughs> and then Sanji has a triple exclamation point. Eyes wide open. I'm still not convinced it's not uh, Ivankov because Sanji just has the fear from being on Okama yeah, Island. Yeah, what else is putting that fear in Sanji's face? But there is also a chance that that's just a really funny way of drawing a... But I, I hear that, pervy stuff that, going that on. That face, face read to me as uh, alarm, danger, not like, oh, boobies. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> yes and no. Because <laughs> it would be funny, which is how the pervy stuff is played, if that face was like him just having like a crazy... But I don't know. I, I think I agree, like... That's doesn't exactly make the most sense that he would just have that reaction to like he's not that much of a voyeur that he would be into just like that turned on by other people having sex. Yeah, yeah, I mean and also like you they've played his horniness for a a, a gag a lot of times but I hope that he is in serious mode now. And we're not just going to run off and look at some girls. Like, the, the shit is happening, my guy. We got to focus He's literally up. sprinting with Luffy and Jinbei into the strongest battle that any of them have been in. Yeah. Like, not the time. And like you said, you know, we, we sort of have hopes for the continued development of Sanji's anti-perv treatments. Yeah, so they, like, they really tested my patience with the Fishman Island. When they when they made it a, f- a fucking race allegory with the blood transfusion, I was like, okay, can this be the end of it? Uh, and also, they already did the gag, because he already ran off on the, on them when they got to Onigashima to go to the whorehouse. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm pretty on, that's not what it is. And, yeah, maybe it is Ivankov, or, but... Or more, more generally, the Revolutionary Army is here. So Sabo, Dragon, the, the works, you know. But why would he have that face then? Because Ivankov and his army of Okamas are a part of the Revolutionary Army. But if, it, like, Sanji hears them, he's afraid. But if Ivankov rolls up, it could be the rest of the Revolutionary Army because that's his, his squad. Okay, you're just saying that separately. You're, yeah. you're not saying that, like, he would hear the Revolutionary Army and be like, oh, shit. That no, I'm, I'm saying okay, he's... I, I misinterpreted yeah, what yeah. you're saying. Um, yeah, but I'm, I'm also... I, I'm, I'm not convinced this is Ivankov. Um, I, like, well, who else could it be? I mean, maybe Sanji just, like, senses a very powerful enemy up ahead, but couldn't Jinbei or, or Luffy have had that panel then? As Like, why Sanji? The I you know the the perf stuff. It's 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 it, not an unviable theory. I I'm just not a fully sold. It also could be that uh he recognizes it's like a uh, cross dresser. You know, it's like a guy speaking in like a oh, flirtatious. He's voice. got the PTSD and it, all, all all trans people. <laughs> Sanji cannot handle it. Anyways, I think I think we'll probably get that doesn't seem like the type of cliffhanger they would they would leave rocking for too long. I think we'll probably get a solution to it next chapter. Yeah. Um I hope I hope something starts happening, man. Like I know in the end I will be happy, but it's just like come on, especially because everything else is moving 
every other thing we're reading. This was a good chapter. It was thick. It wasn't the sweet combat action that we want, but it was nice because it was a whirlwind of like good chunky advancements in each uh, sort of sector. Yeah, I, and I that's like. that's cool. It's good. But this was not by any means a bad chapter, like a stalling chapter. But it wasn't the, it wasn't a payoff chapter. It was a really good escalation chapter, I would say. Yeah, yeah, and we're only four away from a thousand. So, uh, basically, when New Year rolls around, we'll have a thousand. So, okay, it's fine. But I'm I'm waiting. I'm I've, I ate my vegetables. It's time for dessert. Like, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I think it really could come down to uh, if if there's one week of breaks, I think I'll have to check the calendar because I could be talking out of my ass. This is just from when I looked a couple weeks ago. I think if it's there's one week of breaks, then we would hit ninety nine before Golden Week, which would be two weeks of break before. Uh, well, thousand drops. We'll see. Which I feel like would be a total. Oda thing to do. Definitely. Uh, you got anything else on this? No, I I think that's it on, on One Piece. Should we should we chat a bit about uh Japan Sinks before we wrap Definitely. up? Definitely. Do you want to talk about we watched the first three episodes of Terror and Resonance. Do you want to talk about that or you wanna save that? Let, let's save that. Let's okay. save that. Then yeah, Japan Sinks. It's a Masaki Yuasa joint. Uh Jake is a big Masaki Yuasa fan on a quest to watch everything. Yeah, so. I, I'm like actually out there to watch everything Masaki Yuasa has ever made. Um, I would probably say, if you put a gun to my head, that Tommy Galaxy is my favorite anime that I've ever watched. Um, I just love... He gets an S-plus rank for me on both... Anim- like, the fluidity of his animation and it, its uniqueness. My and- man is... He likes Kush. That's kind of what I'm getting, which is very unusual for Japan, but everything is very psychedelic and a lot of ex- explicit Kush references. Yeah, that's, that's, that leads me into my next point. Also, just the, the uh, existential absurdity of his storytelling. He gets weird in a way that is useful to the story, which is really cool to me. Um, but sometimes that is in actual drug references or just like wink and nod uh, drug-fueled imagery, uh, as was the case in Mind Games. You know, it was like, okay, sure, you know, they didn't take drugs, but that... I don't I don't even know how much attention you were playing, paying when we watched Mind Games, but uh, that one scene where they're, like, having sex on that boat inside the whale, and it instantly goes into this, like, expressionist, like, paint animation, and it's like, I don't think I watched Mind Game. I think I was not here when you and Graham watched it. For sure? Okay. Yeah. You should watch my game. But um, I, I like I said, I'm on a mission to watch everything Masaki Yuasa has ever made. Um, I started doing on Keep Your Hands Off, Azokin, which we discussed, uh, I think, last time a little bit, which which is solid. I it, plan on finishing it because I, I do like it. It's it's definitely not, like, the most amazing, but it's fun, and the, the sequences where they go into the manga, I'm very into, so. That, I, it, it's really cool, Um, but it... It's by no means, I would not throw it out to anybody listening to this as like a, you gotta watch this. You should check it out if you're somebody who is interested in the production of anime. 
that's the best part about it. Like Dylan is saying, it's it's about three girls who start an anime club and make anime. So at certain points in each episode, they'll be like going sort of into the page, like inside their ideas. And the anime on screen is like the half-fledged anime that they're creating, like the scaffolding of it and sketches and like as they're thinking through these machines, they're being built from the ground up. The main character is voicing the sound effects of machines and like rushing water and wind and stuff with her mouth. Just like, it feels like a, like a sketch, like a reference product that somebody would be making as they're thinking through all these ideas. So very cool. So if you're into the production of anime, watch that. And also if you like me, uh, like Masaki Yuasa's work, like any of his other work, you should check it out just because it's a great exemplar of his stuff. But it is also a good example of a dynamic in his work um, that is basically he's he is really weird. He's really weird. If you're familiar with Samurai Champloo, he did the episode where they like are getting high from the weed being burned in those fields. And, yeah, like, which is a great episode. But it's the whole second half is like a psychedelic sword fight because they burn down the Kush field. They all get high as shit. He was heavily involved with one of the strangest uh, animated films to ever come out, which was Cat Soup. Again, a masterpiece. I really like stuff like that, but it's like, you know, it generally known as like this is one of the more absurd animated things to ever be produced. Um, so he sort of had this reputation as like a very artsy, heady, out there type of director. Critical darling, but not so much at the box office. People, it turns out, just like, don't really want to see, you know, uh, people get shot in the ass with a handgun and then <laughs> encounter God in heaven as a, like, ever-shifting, uh, unknowable being who has to leave because he's got to go on a date. Very cool. I like stories like that, but that's not exactly mass-marketable in a way like a Ghibli movie is. So, um... Well, that's, that's kind of a good uh, segue because... Japan sinks is is pretty pretty mainstream. There's still some weirdness in there, but it's it's a lot more uh for public consumption, you might say. It's a lot uh a lot less out there than some of his other stuff. Uh which I still I like I like it. I, I am also here for the weirdness, but I love a good uh disaster flick and the whole country sinking into the ocean is It's 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 a great concept. Yeah. And and when we heard about it, we were like we're watching this immediately. Even, yeah, I, I would watch that immediately, even if I didn't know that it was a Yuasa, Yuasa uh, yeah. series. And then as soon as I heard it was a Yuasa, I was like, okay, I'm completely sold. It's an adaptation of a novel from the 70s in which a series of earthquakes rock Japan, and Japan just starts sinking. Like, its tectonic plate is going under the Pacific plate, and it's the entirety of Japan is going underwater. So it has incredibly bleak moments. Like, in the first episode... Uh, you know, there's massive earthquakes hitting. The main character girl is, like, seeing her friends on the track team crushed underneath a building. Yeah. And at the end of the episode, there's people in, like, these sort of, you know, refugee or emergency evacuation camps, and they're evacuating people by helicopter. And people start at, at the camp where the main characters are, People start falling out of the sky because they, you know, they were too desperate and started hanging onto the helicopters. They like wanted to get out of the evacuation zone. The so thing much. that that w my main criticism of it is that they don't 
it's not that they don't stick the landing with the tone, they just flip-flop on the tone, because yeah, there are some moments that are really bleak, and then just, it, it kind of takes a light-hearted turn at times, which is like, it, I, I didn't love it. I, as you said, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was like, everyone dies and they die in really sad, uh, bad ways. The, the dad gets exploded by a landmine while digging for food, for example. But like, then at the end, it's like, it's like a redemption story. Like Japan rises again, metaphorically and, and literally. So didn't, I don't know. It wasn't exactly what I hoped it would be in that regard. Yeah, e even if even if you could say that, because there are a lot of bleak moments and bleak themes in it. It's it has one of the most stark treatments of of drug addiction I've seen in in any anime. Yeah, there's a really creepy old man who's addicted to pills. He's like straight, you know, curled up in night sweats in in the back of his pickup truck because he needs his daddy needs his juice. <laughs> um, but you know. The, like Dylan said, it it flip flops. You know, there's about equal treatment of of sort of the the good and the bad, but it doesn't feel like that's meant to portray an equal tendency in reality. Or I don't know how to say this. It feels like the bad stuff is set up for the good stuff to have more of a punch. Yeah, it's not like you're left with a confused sense of the world after it. It's it's a f ultimately a feel-good story in a significantly different way than you would expect for this is a it's like marketed as a survival horror show right which is what what sold me i was like japan's sinking people are going to be doing animal shit to each other like that's cool and there's some of that but not really it's more it's more about uh humanity and and people overcoming their problems and and you know, being strong in the face of adversity and, and the sun will rise again to type type message, you know, which is. Cool. Yeah, I guess. and it, it, that's exactly right. It's like, yeah, cool. And it kind of undercuts some of the darker moments for me uh, because it's just like and then it was all fine in the end. The main girl lost a leg, but she got a new leg and she's running in the Olympics with Japan. So it's cool. Yeah, it. Uh, like like the 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 thing that frustrated me is that there wasn't really much complexity to the takeaways. Yeah, it, it was very chiefly this story of like even in insurmountable odds we can find some sense of like reconciling. There there was a strong theme of like individuality versus community and how those can be intention at times and then. At the end, it's like, no, those can be in harmony. You are your own person. It's because we're all our own people working together that we're, we're all together. It's a very, very rosy uh, story. It has a, I mentioned while we were watching it, it has a very rosy uh, stance towards technology. Technology yeah. is your friend throughout the whole thing, pretty unfailingly. Yeah, there's, ne like, there's never a scene of like, oh, that people are misreporting information. In fact, the opposite. One of the kids who, by the way, is obsessed with Estonia, which I find hilarious. Well, uh, it has its justification because he loves eSports, but, like, come on, bro. <laughs> he, he's, he's like, uh, Estonia boo. He's like, yeah, I, I was born in the wrong country. Like, literally, Estonia boo. If only I could go to the beautiful hills of Estonia, then I would be happy. It, it's not, it, like, he, he hits this, like, once every two episodes. It's 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 ridiculous, at least. Um, but the point being, he he... People are like, they don't know what's going on. State media is not giving them the straight facts. So he hits up his gaming homie in Estonia 
and is like, what should we do? And the guy's like, oh, uh, you want to go west because east is fucked. So, cool. There's never a... It's right. Technology's always your friend, which is... That's a very small detail in it. You don't need to have technology as a bogey in a survival horror thing. Um, It's just, like, symptomatic of a larger, like, not very confrontational mindset in this, which subsequently is symptomatic of Yuasa's last five years of work. Like, Like I was leading into this with, he was viewed as this, you know, critical darling, box office flop, and he founded his own studio, Science Saru, and he's tried to do these really sort of uh, a, a series of like really family friendly projects. Keep your hands off Azokan is about high school girls making anime. No sort of uh, you know tension or darkness there. I started watching earlier today his movie Lou Over the Wall, which is uh, you know his version of a Ghibli thing. It's like, you know... I liked what we saw. It was pretty good. It, well, it's a it's a, a beautiful movie and a cool concept. It There's no hard-hitting complexity right. to it. It doesn't, port, it doesn't pretend to be anything, which, which it, you, could, you might say that Japan Sinks does. It, it definitely felt like they were taking bigger swings. Like, they, they treat death very seriously. And as you say, there was the... The crazy old man who is addicted to pills. They even, in a very tasteful way, had a had a trans character. They don't even explicitly say it, but the the coolest guy in the story, Kite San, there's just like one frame at the end where you see Kite as a little girl in a skirt and she just takes the skirt off. Now you're Kite. Mm-hmm. And that, that was cool. So it's there, but it, it's it's yeah, it's something something didn't connect. And maybe it is just because he's trying to be more mainstream appeal. I don't know. Another thing I'll offer um, is that, it, you know, when I identified those two qualities that I really like the most about Yuasa, those were two things that struggled the most. I, I thought this thing was carried a lot by the premise. It's a, well, it's a really cool premise. Yeah. And a lot of sort of the story can write itself from there. Um, the two things that I love the most about Yuasa actually struggled a lot in this, sort of like, uh, one, the animation. If you look at Ping Pong and Tatami, those were two projects that, uh, you know, as far as I know, probably had similar budgets, and they were both 10 episodes long. But um, Japan Sinks uh, struggled at many times. It had gorgeous set art. Like, honestly, very Ghibli-inspired, it seemed. Even the faces um, looked very Ghibli-ish to me. Yeah, yeah, a lot of times. Um, the, uh, you know, just, like, the, these gorgeous painted sets, um, really beautiful. But the animation itself was stodgy a couple times. The, there was a rape scene, which, uh, you know, a uh, warning for people, uh, if, if that's your, you know, whatever. Um, that scene was, like, incredibly terribly animated. I was yeah. pulled out of it immediately. Like, what, like, the, 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 an- the animation was really awkward. Um, and then the other thing to me was the storytelling, right? It, like a lot of it was carried by the, um, the premise. There was stuff that I really liked characters like kite, uh, Onodera, the scientist who was mute and tapping stuff out. That stuff was really cool. Like I could tell like in character brainstorming sessions, they did a great job. Like I, you know, I thought the, the people that they brought in the story were believable and interesting. Um, but the the plot itself 
wasn't exactly that crazy. Um, the, they took a long detour in the middle of this story to do a cult thing. Right, which, which was, was very strange, and, and I actually liked it. Like It, it was, was a big swing. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that was bad. It, it's, it just it felt weird to me because if the conceit of the story is the country is sinking, we got to get the F out of here. For three episodes, they go to this weird cult where they're just growing massive amounts of kush, and the, it's led by a, a psychic and, and her autistic child. It's like, we don't have time to be chilling here, but I, I guess we do. We're, we're just hanging out. Yeah, I, listen, I, 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 may not, I may not have a grasp of the... One thing that I will throw out there is I, I feel like this story did have some particulars for the Japanese psyche. It, it, it was, in many ways, about Japanese self-recognization. It's in, exactly in, in that. When when psyche. we get to the, the rap scene at the end, that's the whole thing. They basically lay out the three positions of the movie. Japan is bad because people uh, move in groups and they don't like individuality. No, you don't get it. We, we move in groups and that's what makes us good. And then the third, I'm trying to decide for myself what I am. Don't tell me what to be, basically. Um, I, there, there's a... It seemed... I... I, I like have a single breath of hesitation. I'm still going to talk about it because I have a lot of thoughts about it. I, it did seem like in a couple points there might be stuff that it's a little hard for me as somebody who's not Japanese to understand about what he was trying to say. And the payoff of the cult thing may have been one of the bigger ones of those to me because that plane didn't land for me. The whole thing with the, the psychic and her child and like, yeah. Also, they, the grandpa like just let me pretend like this is my child. That something about that didn't make sense to me in a way that I had an inkling that it might make a little more sense for a Japanese viewer. I think you're probably right. The only kind of insight that we have is uh, so they go to this cult, right? And basically, the cult is the woman claims to be psychic. She can talk to the dead, and she does it by grasping the hand of her kid who's mute. At the end, everything is going to shit. Uh, the kid gets hit on the head with a rock, which that scene actually got like a out of me. But when that happens, she says, and then they repeat it at the end. You see her again. I'm trying to make a world where like this child can have dignity. Like basically that's, that's what we're doing here. So you're right. I don't quite know how to connect those dots, but I, I kind of got it. I well, think. Yeah. Well, and well, as I'm wrestling with it, like, okay, I can understand that motivation. How does that fit with the wider plot of Japan sinks? And like, you know, is it a foil maybe, or opposite to the main characters? Maybe we can say like, because Estonia san makes a point repeatedly that like, if you're different at all, like people don't fuck with you in Japan. So like, mm -hmm. because, because the whole thing is like group hegemony and like, we're moving as one. So like, if you're not that you're fucking untermenschen. You know? and, and this, you know, it should be noted that this is like insular from Japanese society within Japan. Right, they, they're they growing like Kush, cult, which like cult compound. Yeah, with with weed, you know, it's it's more Chinese inspired um, than than Japanese religion inspired. So, um, yeah, I think that that's probably a pretty good point. But as you're wrestling with these things, then you get the added layer of the grandpa's entire motivation for this four episode arc is. I need to get to this. Uh, I need to get to this cult compound so I can save my uh, grandson. And he's trying to like abduct the grandson from the top of this tower, which is incredibly hard. And he almost manages to do by 
riding around on his motor scooter and and, and that arrowing was people. so silly he literally the elevator doors ding open and he's driving with his foot and shooting a bow and arrow at people like okay and, and he's gadding these guards <laughs> and he successfully uh steals the like the the mouthpiece child the the golden leader of this cult even though his mom's actually running it like all the people there are like this this child is is the the leader of our cult um successfully steals the child puts him in the fucking bronco and then is so zonk so <laughs> jonesing for his his juice when he's trying to drive out that he just smashes into the the wall of the cult um, and then you find out it wasn't even his, his grandkid. It's right. Just- so that that's what uh, that's what I'm getting to is that so, okay, you know all that happens fine, and then we really get the the juice of the cult story, which is the woman's relationship with her child. Child gets its head split open by a rock. The woman's crying. She's like, I you know I was just trying to make a world that would accept my son, and then grandpa walks on the scene. He's like. Oh yeah, I didn't really even have a fucking grandson. This isn't my grandson. It's my daughter who who died a couple of days ago during the fucking earthquake, and I guess I was just going crazy about it. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> how, how am I supposed to? to I, I'm already trying to figure out how the other thing fit into this wacky story. Now you're telling me, uh, drug grandpa, this isn't even his grandson. He's just he's just fucking off his rocker. Yeah, it's it. I think I think I will chalk it up to a, la- a cultural bridge that I can't cross. I guess because yeah, I, I didn't get that either. I mean, it really that that might just be a cope for me because if it's not that, it's a storytelling uh, choice that I really don't fuck with. the The central thrust of it is like it's fi- you know it's fine to pretend like this woman's pretending in you know all these like pseudo mystic things in order to get people to you know to build this world where a child is accepted and the grandpa is pretending so that he has something to live for in this this earthquake world but like maybe the story is i mean because all those people die pretty much so maybe the story is ultimately presenting us with you shouldn't pretend i don't know maybe it's just the music that's going on there but it seemed like a pretty again like a pretty rosy look on those people yeah but maybe it's rosy in the sense of pathetic not like it's fine to pretend, but, like, the world pushes us to this. You shouldn't yeah. aspire to it, but you need to understand that there are people out there who are backed into the corner of denying reality because it's too painful. They all, That scene also featured Daniel, the creepiest motherfucker in the universe. He kept doing this gag where he would pull out fake giant eyes and ears, and, like, I feel like he was supposed to be, like, fun... But I was like, you have women in a shed somewhere. That's the vibe da- I'm getting. Daniel is a turbo weeaboo. <laughs> let's let's start with this. He's an overweight English dude, uh, like with a neck beard and curly hair. And um the only thing that you can that you can actually give to Daniel is that he does have a pretty extensive knowledge of like Japanese archaeological history and stuff like that. <laughs> which uh, great job, Daniel. Um but and then the only other thing you can give to him is that he didn't date rape the mom in the yeah. story because you you know he, he's going to you swear he's going to he's like literally she's like having like a little crying sesh and they're inside this weird cult where you're like yo bro this this is weird and and daniel's a big cult member and he's talking and you're like i was surprised and yeah. he's pulling out his eyes like the fucking uh demon from Pan that's Labyrinth. literally what it is man he's holding he's holding big cartoon eyes up in front of his own eyes like the demon from pan's labyrinth and 
consoling this woman who's crying about her husband that just died, and you're like, yo, he's gonna date her. Like, he's gonna, he's about to do some fucked up shit to this woman. And he doesn't, ever. Yeah. It was just like... That's the thing that, again, I feel like it's a cultural thing, maybe, because I feel like the vibe we're supposed to take from him is like, oh, he's, like, silly and nice. But, like, I saw him and was very uncomfortable. Like, he, he really creeped me out a lot. Because, yeah, he... If you look at his actions, he's pretty much just helpful. Like, he is nice. He doesn't try to stop them when they leave. He's like, all right, take care. Um, but, yeah, he something about that guy was off. And may, maybe, I, I don't know. I don't really know uh, how to square that, that particular circle. It, it was one instance of many in this show where it felt like tension was being built in a way that didn't deliver, which can be cool in a story. But... The repeated instances of that in this story um, were all tied together under the big umbrella of just the general mood. Like, I, Daniel, to me, was a wasted character. You can, it, sometimes it would be cool in a story to have sort of like a, a double take where, you know, you think a character is going to be evil and they end up being good or they end up just being nothing. But, I I think this story would have been cooler if Dan Daniel did end up being like a weird like overzealous member of this cult and try too hard to like drug the mom or something. If they had if they had really gone for the the darkness, that's the move, right? right? It, which kind of speaks to our original point, which is like they're they're not going all the way with it. They're they're trying to hit this redemptive type story, which is different than the normal kind of survival horror story, which is the opposite. Humans are, are the real monsters. Everything is entropy and terrible. Like Right. And th there is like a tiny bit of that. You know, there's this guy who saves them in his truck and then he's like drinking while he's driving. And, the, and you know, one of the people in their party is like, uh, yeah, you should probably not drink and drive. He's like, what do you mean I shouldn't drink and drive? Yeah. There's no rules now. And then he tries to rape her. So like, you know, they, but it, that was about eight minutes of screen time yeah. where that guy was involved. And there's not too many other instances of, like, um, where, you know, the lawlessness bringing out the, the dark side of humanity. Maybe that there is something there, though, because it's kind of a commentary on J Japan and Japanese people where they're, like, even now, like, orderly and, like, we're moving as a group and we're, we're doing... Because... This happens in America. People are eating each other day two. That is my prediction. But, I, you know, maybe this is, like, the way... I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe so, maybe no. One thing that I did really like about this, I think it was treated really well, and it could have been delved into more, and I could have liked it, but I also liked the way it was treated in the story because it was very quick. Uh, there's, like, a massive raft of, of Japanese ethno-fascists Oh yeah, who, who, you know they they in a in a time of big panic, like they were about to get one of these big refugee ships out when a huge earthquake breaks out again and land, you know, uh, busts up this ship that was about to leave. So all these people are stranded again, and then this big raft rocks up. So you know the raft is set, like it's not gonna it's not gonna get worked by an earthquake or anything, um, and it's set. It's you know, there's a throng of people on it and these massive speakers and huge you know rising sun flags and they're chanting slogans and stuff like that like for japan for japanese you know Jap japan for the japanese or whatever and they're taking refugees onto their boat but they won't let the the mom of the story on or her kids because she's out, filipino because she's filipino right and you know 
they're obviously made out to be bad guys in that moment. Kite, who is as the closest you get to a moral compass in this, super capable person, and he just knows what he's doing, and, you know, Kite's, Kite's the fucking man. If Kite says that a dude is stupid, then that person's stupid. Um, and, uh, the, you know, Kite's like, fuck these guys, they dip. And then, uh, you know, three minutes later, they get on a boat with some fishermen who are like, okay, well, you know, we'll get you out of here. And we they drive past the, the Japanese raft, and it's like, ran aground, you know. Yeah, like, they're all dead immediately. <laughs> they, they blow it. They blow it, which is a cool treatment of, of the idea that, like, you know, I I, th- I think it's mainly a disclaimer from, from the storytellers saying, like, look, when we say Japan will rise again, we don't mean, like, yeah, like, Big glorious J, Nippon is gonna, yeah. yeah. We mean, like, the people who live here and, you know, how they care about yeah. everybody who lives here. A couple small gripes that I want to address before we move on to what I really want to talk about. Um, Koga is one of the members of their party, mm-hmm. and his thing is, like, he used to run, but he doesn't run anymore. And he gets a glorious death where he finally runs again because... The, this data that they need about the earthquakes is at the end of this long pier and there's waves coming in and he's able to run really fast and, and get the data and run back before the waves come and wash it away, but he gets swept away in the process. Great, except we never find out why he he stopped running. Like, the whole, th- like, I was like, I, I feel like I should care more about this, but we know his, there was a really interesting scene. His mom gets crushed in front of him and he's crying and saying that as they're eating and everyone else is just kind of sitting there quietly. That was cool. But we never got the full character arc of like, why did you... Why did you stop running? Yeah, what what's the deal? And similarly also the the romantic subplot between the main character and him was underdeveloped. Yeah. Never really went anywhere. I'm even hard pressed to say it was there at all. That's how underdeveloped it was. No, she, she's definitely got the hots for him at the beginning of the story. She might like him, but I didn't get the sense that he really felt that way about her. No, he didn't. He didn't yeah. feel that way about her. But there was never any like, yeah, yeah. yeah. The the point being, it just it just was a weird choice. Like, you spend four episodes on this uh, pot cult. We can't get fifteen seconds to find out why Koga doesn't run anymore. Like, what's the what's the deal? It didn't it didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, it's fine. I like. I, I still liked Koga as a character, and I think his death was cool. I liked watching him him run and get swept away. But yeah, that was that was a little bit of a gripe. The other thing that I thought was very whack was when they're escaping the cult and the the old man three sixty no scope someone from like two hundred yards away with his bow and arrow. Yeah. All right. Necessary context here. This is an old man who is like locked in a jail cell without his his opiates. And was, like, throwing himself in pain around this jail cell. Was, like, at death's door from not from opiate withdrawal. And Kite, you know, hands him the last couple uh, morphine tabs he has or whatever. And all of a sudden, as they're fucking escaping this statue building that's being torn down by an earthquake, uh, he's chipper, he's right as rain, de- he got his fix... And he's sitting in a window, sniping in the dead of night these gunmen who are, like, trying to stop the main characters as they're making their way out in a car. You know, thumbs up, guys. I'll always be looking out for yeah, you. Grandpa, gra- Grandpa Drogo-Gison. <laughs> just like, 
dude, what? With yeah. this fucking bow and arrow from, from all the way over there? It's just a weird moment, especially because, yeah, in that moment, it's like... And then even the next episode, the kid has a dream about the grandpa where I'm like, are we supposed to like this guy? The, the kid dreams in video games, by the way, which is hilarious. Epic gamer moment. Yeah, he's he, the the kid has 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 several gaming Reddit moments. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's cool. Should we should we get to the the rap thing though? The the rap thing is is a fascinatingly interesting scene. It's one of the bigger injections of Yuasa into this story that that there that I sensed. But even then, I couldn't have. I, that's the whole point. You couldn't have expected. When it. we watched this scene and it started to happen, Jake was going, "No, no, no, what? No!" And I was like. No, it's happening. They're they're wrapping their feelings right now, man. <laughs> Basically. I like you know, he starts playing a song on his phone. At first I like at like very first split second, I thought it was Koga because the whole uh, Koga's theme throughout the story was that he would listen to music by himself. So there's a split second where I was like, "Oh, Koga's playing his music for everyone to enjoy. This is sort of a a moment for his character." But no, it's Kite and Kite uh plays a beat on his phone and says, all right, everybody, let's go. It's freestyle rap time, and you have to freestyle rap about your feelings. Uh, and I was, I was like... Well, the, the important context is this is, like, low point in the story. Everyone is dead. Their, their chances of escape are, are minimal. Like, they just rocked up to this little rock with a lighthouse on it, and there's a hot spring there, and they're just like, we're fucked. Like, what do we, what do, we do now? Mm-hmm. And then Kite pulls out the beat, and they start rapping. Exactly like Dylan said, I was like, no. Partly because, partly out of just sheer disbelief, like, is this really happening? They're 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 doing a freestyle rap scene. Partly out of, uh, I I said this as as the scene was starting. I felt seen. <laughs> this is this is what I do. I, I get high with people and I fucking freestyle terribly. Um, and then also partly out of a sense of impending cringe because I was like, "There's no way this turns out well." Uh, you're, yeah. you're you're about to tell me these Japanese people are about to just bar out on this on this you know like sort of like lo-fi chill hop instrumental that that Kite is bumping off his phone. But in spite of all of that, it actually turned out to be pretty it, cool. Not only, like, did they rap in a semi-coherent way, like, the emotional payoff of that is big because that's the moment where, where basically each character lays out their position. And, and in a larger sense, the, the arguments the movie is presenting you with. You know, the, the kid who wants to live in Estonia, his thing is like, I fucking hate Japan because, you know, the nail that sticks up gets hammered down. They move in groups. They don't give a shit about anyone. Koga takes the opposite opinion. He does say something which I do not like at all, which is individuality and selfishness are the same thing. But his position being like, no, uh, Japan is good because we move as a unit. We care about each other. And then the girl is kind of, don't, I'm trying to decide for myself. Like, I, I, there's good people and bad people everywhere. Like, let me, let me do what I'm doing. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, you, you left the scene with a, holy shit, they pulled that off. And, oh, lest we forget, the most genius moment of all, they say, oh, Cripple Sod, cut to you, and it says in text, I'll punch everyone who bullied me or whatever. <laughs> He's been communicating, like, with blinks and taps in Morse code the whole story, and they're, they, you know, they're all kicking their rhymes about their, their, their... Oh. <laughs> 
just all caps, I'll punch everyone who laughed at me. <laughs> I'll punch everyone who mocked me. Uh, oh my god, just, uh, by far the shining gem <clears throat> scene of that story. And now, it's insane that it was so quick and so unexpected, and you, you, it starts and you're like, oh dear god, no. Yeah. And it actually turned out to be really cool. Now, who do you think the movie is ultimately siding with? Of those three positions that are presented to us, it's not the kid, I don't think, because that would kind of go against the Japan rising again, but it doesn't feel like it's Koga either, but it also doesn't feel like really it's the it's the, the girl, unless we, what the place she finally comes to is like, the person that I am is just like, I'm just, I'm just me and that's okay. Like, I, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is what, what is the takeaway I'm supposed to have from this movie, this series? Um, I I don't know. You would hope there would be some sort of dialectical dialectical synthesis, right? Like, you know, it, there's some spirit of Japanese unity that doesn't require individuality to be stamped out, or people to feel like their individuality is being stamped out. One of the biggest weaknesses of this show is that the there there's a really cool action climax to it where kite finds one of his balloons and they have no service but he's like i know what i have to do and goes like way up into the sky on his weather balloon so he can beam down some service to them and get them rescued it's a yeah, it's a sacrifice play like he's he's gonna fly up into space uh in doing so allow them to get cell service so they can call for help that's the beginning of the last episode and then the rest of the last episode is just basically a resolution montage so there's not much to go on as far as what side does this story take because it just like there's no dynamics shown in that that ending resolution montage it just sort of shows you what happened. Yeah, like the the kid becomes a pro gamer in Estonia. Okay, great. The girl lo she loses a leg cuz she gets a cut in the first episode that gradually becomes more infected. But she gets a fake leg and you see her running in the Olympics. Japan starts to rise out of the sea again. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like to me it ever actually answered the, the question that it was presenting to me, which is like, it, what, what, what is right? What should Japan be? If, if I were to venture a stab at it, it would be that the... It's... Like, like I was saying before, a new sense of unity, you know, the, uh, some sort of dialectical synthesis of it's a new sense of unity not born out of Japanese ethnic identity. Those fuckers run aground at, at the first sight or probably more prescient or more pressing would be uh, the sort of sense of community that Koga and the the kid are disagreeing on which is like a sense of obligation or forced conformity yeah um the basis for unity and shared identity in our dialectical synthesis world our dialectical synthesis version of japan would be um shared experience and memory right like that's their that's their big thing not just you know part of the resolution and I'm literally just spitballing this based on what was available to us in the final 10 minutes of the show. 
Um, but a big a big part of it was um, they felt a connection to their parents by finding their mom. Like they somehow figured out passwords or whatever to get into their parents' cloud storage, and they had all the pictures yeah. that their mom had taken. And they're like, "Wow, mom took a lot of pictures." And then it shows um, a, a kid that they had met earlier in the story. Um, pulling out a, a wait, what's that called? The Polaroid. Yeah, Polaroid that the mom took earlier in the story and gave to them, and said, "Like, oh, I know that lady who wrote this book." And it shows that the main character had written an autobiography. So, if I were to offer anything, I would say maybe it's that, like, okay, you know, our our my Japan means shared experience and you know accepting of each other's individuality and not but it does not make the case for anything like that very clearly at all it really doesn't make the case for anything that's yeah that's i guess that would be my overall critique is like it doesn't it doesn't ever commit to anything it's not super dark the redemption thing doesn't work for me because they don't really set that up enough it's just it's just like yeah japan almost sank but then it didn't the end. And some people died, but we're still here. Maybe you also saw the opportunity to tell this story and thought that would be an interesting artistic juxtaposition to tell, like, this really positive story. And also, I don't know what the source material is. Right. But, but you can't help but feel, when you finish that story, like, you wanted Japan to go under and everybody die. That At least to have some more serious consequences, like... I don't know. A lot of people died, so, like, yeah, there were consequences, but ultimately it all just worked out. Even Kite is still alive somehow in the end, which I did not understand. Oy vey. Okay. Um, closing thoughts on uh, on Japan Sinks? I would give this series uh, a B. Definitely worth a watch. It, it let me down a little bit, but the parts that were good about it um, make it worthwhile. If nothing else, that rap scene is is very good, so it's worth it just for that. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, the best thing that I can offer, maybe not the best thing that I can offer about that. One thing in terms of its watchability and w- what affects my recommendation here is it's definitely very bingeable. Um, yeah, you know, we did we the first eight episodes it, in one night. Yeah, it, it it was you know it had a nice degree of partly because you're always sort of waiting for that other shoe to fall. I like it. It's got to be the next episode where the, <laughs> like the super massive earthquake hits and this shit really hits the fan. Never really happens. But, um, uh, I, I would also say, um, it's a recommended watch, but not a must watch. Um, there's better you also to watch and there's better horror to watch. And it's, uh, if you are a psychopath who, I shouldn't say psychopath, but, like, I can't identify with people who go into shit looking for, like, a nice sentimental uh, affirmation of of humanity. I don't, like, I like like funny stories, and I like dark, weird, depressing, you know, other other shit like that. Like, people who like sappy shit. Yeah, uh, it's what's not... The, what's the deal there? I, some people don't want to... They just want to feel nice. Not us, but some people. The Hallmark has made a whole industry off of that. It's movies about people losing their dog and then finding it again. It's, 
it's a whole thing. I, I agree. It's it's this isn't that, but yeah, it's it's no. It, you wouldn't say this is Hallmark at all, but it 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 has a sort of saccharine quality to it. It it in that the worst parts of it are it's that it's too nice. Um. Yeah. So my recommendation would be, if you. Watch like pretty much any other you also think before you watch Japan Sinks. Um, and uh, oh, I'll also leave with one funny note, which is that while I was researching this after we finished watching it, uh, apparently somebody back in the day, I think this was adapted into a live action movie first, and and that was pretty, pretty successful. And in response to that success, somebody made a parody live action movie called uh. The Everything. rest of the world besides Japan sings. <laughs> <laughs> Which I like. Okay, uh, yeah, that's 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 it for my thoughts on Japan sings. You got anything else? Uh, no. I'm gonna go finish watching uh, Lou Over the Wall. Nice. Pause. All right, so thanks for listening. As always, listener son, you can find us at theweeklyspate at gmail.com. We are also on Instagram at theweeklyspate, and I believe we have a Twitter. It's kind of a wasteland. I'm not a social media person. I need to I need to get on it. But regardless, you can find us. Uh, send us any thoughts you have. We want to hear from you. Uh, that's it. Jake, got anything else? Peace out. All right, see you later.